This podcast is brought to you by Cohen Tire. This is the Observer Reporter High School Football Podcast. It's trivia time. What local high school football team leads the WPIAL in scoring and is undefeated at 7-0 for the first time since the 1940s? We'll let you know in a few minutes. Welcome to the Observer Reporter's High School Football Preview Show, sponsored by our friends at Cohen Tire of Washington. I'm sports editor Chris Dugan. With me, as usual, Luke Campbell, our high school beat writer, and for the first time in three weeks, Joe Toscano, the assistant <laughs> sports editor. Joe, sidelined by a case of kidney, kidney stones, stones and was watching golf last week. But yes, I'd rather to- do the golf than the kidney stones, <laughs> I can tell you. We have a lot of good games this week. A lot of them have playoff implications. Where first place is on the line in some conferences. But let first let's go back to last week. We had a, two games that had at least a share of first place on the line. Luke, you were at one of them, where Burgettstown defeated Best Center in Fredericktown. Um, Blue Devils now undefeated in the conference, Century Conference, along with Wash High. Best Center now with one loss. But uh, Burgettstown must look pretty good. They did look pretty good. I mean, they allowed their first touchdown in the, in, since week one. So, uh, but but how they rebounded on that was was really why they won the game. Um, Austin Seyfried with a 54-yard uh, pick six uh, that really separated the game, made it a two-score game, and uh, their defense really put Beth Center into a lot of of unfavorable down and distances and that really hurt the Bulldogs throughout most of the night. They were dealing with a lot of third and and more than 10 yards. Um, but really it was almost one of those games because Beth Center did play good. I mean, they they were a respectable opponent for sure. I mean, only one loss this year. Um, but they sh- they showed signs of promise at the line of scrimmage. It, it wasn't like Burgettstown really handed it to them up front. Um, and, and obviously we know Dominic Fundy, what he can do in the backfield. Um, but Beth Cent- it was one of those games where somebody had to lose, um, but both teams really didn't deserve to lose. So even though Burgettstown came out on top and, and obviously sets himself up for, for a conference showdown with Washington here in a week, um, it it really was showing both what both teams could do best, which was it provided for a pretty good game Friday night. Now we could get another unbeaten versus unbeaten in two two weekends from now when Burgettstown hosts Washington. That could decide the conference championship. Probably will. Burgettstown has a a tough game this week, a r- trap game if you want to call it that. It's the classic trap game they play at one loss Charleroi this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that game in a few minutes, but first I wanted to talk about the other game last weekend that had first place in the conference on the line. It was played right here on the field behind us at California High School. California rolled over Carmichael's 42-7 to remain undefeated. Trojans are in first place in the Tri-County South Conference, and the Trojans are the answer to the trivia question. California leads in scoring in the WPIAL, and they're 7-0 for the first time since 1949. Now, maybe that's a good omen for California because California won the Whippeal Class A title in 1949. That was the equivalent of what is maybe double-A or triple-A under the current format. California defeated uh, their opponent in the championship game. Anybody want to take a guess? at? Uh, oh, I saw that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was California and who? Uh, and where was the game played? Uh, Pitt Stadium and uh, uh, I'm going to say Avella. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
California defeated Dormont, which is now Keystone Oaks, 38 to 6, and that championship game was played at Wash High Stadium. Oh. So maybe you were there, Joe. <laughs> Could have been. California averages 57.3 points per game. That was even after being held only 42 last week against Carmichael's. Great running game for California. And we'll hear head coach Darren Dillo in a few minutes talk about his offense, which averages more than 10 yards a carry. Trojans average 374 yards per game. On the ground, they have a, a Jerome Bettis-type fullback, uh, Jelani Stafford, who averages uh, 11.5 yards a carry, went over the 1,000-yard mark uh, for the season last year in the win over, or last week in the win over Carmichael's. Stafford has 92 carries on the year, 18 have gone for touchdowns. That's 20% of his carries have gone for touchdowns. That's incredible. It's amazing. That's not too. Uh, that's not too shabby. And, and we keep asking ourselves, you know, when is you know when is California going to falter? And, and and what's been kind of the the theme as as we've gone on this year is that these teams that are undefeated haven't really played anybody. You can't say that about California. You can't say that about California. Uh, this week, Rochester is the opponent in a non-conference game right here in California. This is a big game in Class A. Rochester comes in with only one loss. Just last week was ranked second in Class A in the WPIAL. Got upset by Our Lady of Sacred Heart. Gave up 16 points in the fourth quarter. Two on a safety. They lose 16-13. So this is the fourth team that California has played this year that will have a record currently of at least 4-2. and two. And in their in their conference in the Tri County South, they they've disposed of Carmichael's and, and Fort Cherry, who sit two and three by a score of ninety one combined score of ninety one to seven. So they haven't been tested. And then you add in a Monty Christian yeah, victory a, over that. Yeah, a Monty Christian team that has beaten Clareton this year. Yes, sir. And, and California shut down a Monty Christian over the last two and a half quarters of that game. They won at a Monty Christian. And that's only going to prepare them for when they play in November, which yeah. is huge. They are going to, going to be battle-tested, probably the most battle-tested Tri-County South team in decades. Um, there's a lot of good games this weekend, and as we said, California and Rochester is uh, one of those. And we had a chance to talk to Darren Dillo, the Trojans' head coach, a little bit about his offense and the game against Rochester. We're here with California High School's third-year head coach, Darren Dillo. And California is off to a 7-0 start. The Trojans lead the Tri-County South Conference. This week, they have a big game on Friday night at home against Rochester, a team that has only one loss and as recently as last week was ranked number two in the WPIAL in Class A. Now, Darren, this is going to be an interesting matchup of your offense against a pretty good Rochester defense. You enter this game averaging 374 rushing yards a game. That's an amazing total, and that's kind of the result of a change in philosophy on offense for your team. You chose to go to, a lot of teams now are going to the spread option, let's pass the ball a lot. You decided to go the opposite way, go with a triple option, kind of a Georgia Tech Navy style approach and commit to running the ball. And it's paid off for you, hasn't it? Yeah, last season we were spread uh, with personnel that we have. So we decided to, you know, we are talking about it a little bit last year. Uh, and then with this year with the personnel that we have, we decided to take a shot at it. You know, the original plan was, you know, four yards in the cloud of dust. And, you know, if we can control the clock, then we're being okay. But it just... We're getting, you know, a little bit more than four yards of carry now. You're, you're averaging, listen to this, 11 and a half yards of carry California is averaging. That's an amazing total and a good good 
chunk of that comes from your fullback, Jelani Stafford. He's a 263-pound fullback in, in Class A. Guys that big are usually offensive tackles. Was there ever any thought to making Jelani an offensive lineman? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, and um, it worked out for us, absolutely. Uh, we talked about moving him to guard, actually. Uh, I think in college, I think, he, you know, he's probably a defensive tackle in college. Um, but with what we had, we needed a fullback. And, you know, last year he was injured most of the season. And this year, I mean, he just really, you know, took off. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like a man among boys running the yeah. ball. Looked, I called him last week the Jerome Bettis of high school football. <laughs> yeah. That's what he looks like on video. But you have some other guys that have played very well for you. Who are some of those? Yeah, we like to call it Sharon the Sugar. You know, that's we have a... We have a bag of sugar we take out every Friday night with us. And uh, we have a, a pretty good group of running backs. Uh, Jonathan Wood's been really good for us. Coaches Ryan, Austin Grillo, Zion Aldrich, all those guys are getting multiple carries every game. And then we have Colin Phillips, a quarterback, carrying the ball also. So we like to call, call sharing the sugar. So we really don't know who's getting the ball, you know, depending on the defense. Um, as I mentioned earlier, this is kind of a Georgia Tech Navy style of offense where the quarterback has to make a lot of decisions quickly. Uh, was there a little learning curve for your quarterback? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we worked really hard in the spring uh, making the reads. Uh, the first step, we probably took us 500 snaps before we went to the second step. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it really... We have them, you know, every pre-practice, they're probably taking 50 to 60 snaps right before practice starts, even just making that read, just before practice even starts. What, what challenges does it present to defenses? I mean, similar, or at least different from, from what you guys were running in the spread offense. Well, it, it's very unpredictable uh, with us. I mean, you having those three options, I mean, you're, we're attacking the middle of the field. Um, in theory, the fullback should get the ball 70% of the time. Uh, then the quarterback, you know, you know, right there towards the power hole a little bit. Um, that's your second option. And then the pitch outside. So, I mean, really, I mean, we try to spread the field as much as pos possible. Uh, we've been very lucky this year trying to attack that middle of the field with Jelani. It's been open most of the season for us. Darren, everybody talks about California's offense, but your defense has been very good. 8.6 points per game allowed. You shut out... Uh, for Cherry and yeah. Ryan Culberson, that's a monumental, monumental task there. You also shut down Amani Christian for two and a half quarters. You rallied and won that game. What has been the key for your defense this year? Pursuit. Uh, we, we preach pursuit, 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 getting to the ball. Um, we have a great group of kids on defense. They love playing defense. They're pretty sound. We do a lot of tackling drills. Uh, we teach the fundamentals. But I think really the pursuit to the ball is really what we stress. Um, every day in practice we do pursuit. I mean, since January we've been working on pursuit drills, you know, and every single day we do that. Well, your defense is going to be challenged by an offense this week in Rochester. It's a little bit different than what you've seen recently. They're a power running game with some speed in the backfield. Uh, yeah. what, what kind of challenges will that present to your defense? They, they run a couple things that scare me. You know, the T being the biggest, you know. Um, defensively, I'm always worried about the dive in the middle, you know. And, I, I, you know, the perimeter game, I mean, we, we match up well with speed with all the teams that we really play. I mean, we have some really good athletes. Uh, outside linebacker with Jordan Campbell and Zion Aldridge, I mean, they really fly to the ball. 
DNs with Ben Belitsky and Brady Petrucci. I mean, they're really sound, you know, keeping contained and doing what they have to do. Um, the dive is what scares me. And then being in that T, running that power game out our guys, it, it makes me nervous. Um, we're going to have to make some, you know, changes defensively. And, you know. Does it also make you nervous that Rochester comes into this game off of a loss? They were upset last week by Our Lady of Sacred Heart, gave up 16 points in the fourth quarter, lost, I think it was 16-13 was yeah. the final. They're definitely going to be, yeah. they're not going to overlook California. <laughs> no. I don't think anybody looks at <laughs> California. It seems like everybody plays us well. Um, Rochester's a very good team. They're very sound. They're well coached. Um, what I see, I mean, and they keep it simple. I mean, when they're under center, they're in a tee. And they bring it, you know, they run downhill at you. Uh, and then, you know, from that tee, they'll go trips and spread it out out of a gun. And, you know, they do have some deep threats throwing the ball also. So, yeah, I think Rochester's is going to be ready for us. <laughs> I think they're, you know, probably a little bit upset. They'll, they'll come in here week. in an yeah. angry mood. Yeah. Um, you talked about your offense. You talked about the defense. But you really didn't point out the keys to those two units. It all, always starts with good line play. Yeah. You know, you, you can't go anywhere without an offensive line, yeah. and you can't stop anybody without a defensive line. Who's been playing in the trenches really well? Yeah. You know, my staff consists of line coaches, my entire <laughs> staff. So the line gets coached up pretty well because all of us, that's all a lot we of look individual at. Yeah. <laughs> we always look at the line. Um, really, offensively across the boards, that whole offensive line has been solid all year. Uh, ben Martin playing tackle for us he's you know returning starter Ben Belitsky he was actually our backup a back and then we moved him to guard and he's did a phenomenal job Clayton Watson's an underclassman uh Braden uh Braden Collins is just lights out for us and what position is he playing he's right guard for us he's big uh I think he's like 263 about six foot 263 and I, I mean he doesn't miss workout and does really well for us the other person that we moved and has actually been a real surprise is Josh Altman he was actually a backup B back for us. Okay, and your in your system, a B back is a B backs are full back. Okay, and our A backs are, would be our we wing. slot backs. Yeah, and uh, both those guys, you know, two running backs moving to that line position has really helped us out drastically. Not too many teams can say they <laughs> move running backs to the offensive line, yeah. and that actually worked out. And the thing about it is, we're so deep at running back, it was like, okay, you want to get them on the field? You know, let's you get to... you best eleven on the field. Yeah. Well, Darren, lots of luck this Friday night against Rochester. It's a huge game in Class A, and I'm sure this facility right here at California, it's only a few years old, will be packed for this game. There's probably sure. a pretty good buzz about California high school football in the community. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, Darren. California is one of seven area teams that has already clinched the WPIL playoff berth. The other ones are in 4A, Bell Vernon is in, and AA looks like four teams are in from the Century Conference. I was up at 7 a.m. this morning trying to do tiebreaker points, and I think I could not find a way for a couple of these teams to miss the playoffs. So I'm saying that Burgettstown, Washington, Best Center, and Charleroi are all in in Class AA. And in Class A, California and Carmichael's have been in the playoff field for a while. There's four teams this week that can make the playoffs. Peters Township can make it in 6A. South Fayette, which is unbeaten but hasn't clinched a playoff yet, berth yet, and 4A can make it. And in Class A, two teams out of the Tri-County South, Fort Cherry and West Green, are on the cusp of making the playoffs. If West Green's in, it's the first time since, what, 1993 that they've made the playoffs. Now, Peters Township in 6A has a big game 
in McMurray, the Indians will be hosting Mount Lebanon. Mount Lebanon's 4-0 in a conference, 5-2 overall. Peters Township enters at 3-1, 5-2. The Indians will clinch a playoff berth if they win or if Cannon McMillan loses at Bethel Park this weekend. That would also put Peters Township in the playoff field. Peters Township had a rough time last week against Pine Richland, but they're the second-ranked team in 6A in the state. Everybody has a rough time against Pine Richland. Peters had a real good season this year. They've been really good this year, and, and it started with their defense. I mean, I think we can, if you want to throw last week out, because no, nobody defensively has looked good against Pine Richland all year. Um, they're going to have a, a, a tough test, though, this week when they play Mount Lebanon, obviously, uh, with their passing attack that they, they present um, and, and the wide receivers that they present. Um, it's it's going to be a challenge for Peters, and, and I'm, I'm sure Mount Lebanon was loving everything it was seeing last week when uh, Phil Jerkovic, the, the Pine Richland quarterback, completed 14 of his 14 passes. So, so Peters will have to. That's a pretty good percentage. Yeah, not too shabby, but uh, Peters will have to prove that it can stop the pass against against Mount Lebanon, and that'll obviously go a long way into clinching that playoff spot. There's a huge game in 4A. In the Big Nine Conference, Thomas Jefferson, which is 5-0 in the conference, 6-0 overall, plays on the yellow turf at Bell Vernon. Bell Vernon is 6-0 in the conference and overall. Basically, the conference championship is on the line. Um, undefeated records, uh, possible number one or two seed in the playoffs on the line there. Uh, TJ comes in giving up only 3.3 points per game, so it's going to be tough for Bell Vernon, which has struggled at times this year to score points, even though they're undefeated. Uh, but that's still going to be a good game, and that's a place where I don't think TJ's won on, on the yellow turf at Bell now, Vernon. Uh, Bell Vernon has only beaten TJ one time uh, in this century, and that was two years ago. And the one thing about this conference is that there's always the upsets. The last few years, there have been some amazing upsets. Two years ago, Bell Vernon beat uh, Thomas Jefferson 31-24, uh, to 24, and, and it was their only loss of the regular season. And last year, uh, with uh, vengeance in their heart, uh, TJ came back and beat him 55 to nothing. But this year, uh, West Mifflin, which everybody thought might have a, a really good chance to finish third, lost to Laurel Highlands. Yeah. That, that's one of the reasons that I say that the Big Nine this year has probably been the most unpredictable and the funnest conference to follow in the WPIAL because it, it's so unpredictable. If you throw out TJ, which is a very good team, has been crushing everybody, and you throw out Uniontown, which is down at the bottom of the standings, and they're not very good. If you throw those two teams out, there's been 25 conference games in the Big Nine this year. The average margin of victory is only 8.8 .8 points. It's very unpredictable. And if you look at the standings, Top four teams go to or guaranteed bursts in the playoffs. So you're probably going to have to get the four wins. Four wins will get you in the playoffs, I'm thinking. Trinity has two wins. Ringgold has three. They need a couple more to secure a playoff spot. And there's big games this weekend. Trinity is hosting Albert Gallatin. Ringgold is also at home at Joe Montana Stadium. The Rams will be playing that West Mifflin team that's up and down. Do you remember what happened last year in that West Mifflin-Ringgold game? When Ringgold scored two touchdowns in the final yeah. eight seconds? Yes, of the to game, win at West to Mifflin. Win, to win at West Mifflin by three points. Uh, you know, another upset there, and you know, you just can't. There's just nothing safe about that conference. I mean, if, you, if you're not playing your best football, 
something like that can happen to you. And, and, and Trinity is sitting there with two conference wins. They need to probably get the four, and they have Albert Gallatin as only one conference win this week, but that's not a gimme. Albert Gallatin has beaten West Mifflin on the road, last week played Greensburg-Salem, and was trailing by five points with eight and a half minutes to go and had the ball at uh, midfield, ended up losing that game by a couple of touchdowns. But Albert Gallatin's improved, and if Trinity's looking ahead, the Greensburg, Salem, and Ringgold in their last two games. They could get upset this week. And what's going to be great is they all play each other. Yes. That's the great part about yeah. it. I mean, every game is meaningful from here on out. I mean, you look at three or four weeks ago, we were thinking, oh, it's going to be Bell Vernon, uh, Thomas Jefferson, and West Mifflin locks, and it's going to be a fight for that fourth fourth and final playoff spot. Well, then West Mifflin loses to Laurel Highlands, and then they lose to, to Albert Gallatin. So now you have four teams fighting for two playoff spots, and many of which have have yet to still play one another. Yeah, so and Albert Gallatin only has one win in the conference, but they're thinking if they can beat Trinity, then they get Uniontown and Laurel Highlands. They can get the four wins and make the playoffs. <laughs> so they're going to give probably a pretty good effort at Hiller Field this weekend. Another big game is in the 3A Interstate Conference, where only the top two teams in that conference are assured of a playoff berth. McGuffey will be playing South Park. That game was originally scheduled to be played at Mount Lebanon, but I think they've changed the site on that, haven't they? Yeah, according to South Park's website, they, they are going to move to their renovated field. It's kind of been taking, uh, doing, having, being in construction mode, I guess, for the last couple of, of months. Um, but that's finally ripping and raring to go, and hopefully, and, that, and that's for their homecoming game too. But South Park needs to show a little bit more than it, than it has this season to, to beat McGuffey because... Um, yeah, I'd, I like the Highlanders in this game. South Park's only averaging 15.8 points per game. They won a, a stretch of a month with only two touchdowns. And They the, play good teams, but they only scored two touchdowns. McGuffey's a pretty good team. I like the Highlanders in this one. And the combined score of everybody that they've beaten, they're 3-3 three and three on the season, 3-1 and one in the conference. The combined score of the teams they've beaten, those three wins, are 3-16. and 16. And their three losses, guess what they were outscored? 136 to 0. Wow. So that tells you a little bit about South Park as to, you know, the teams that they've played that are, are are not good teams and the teams that they've played that are good teams. Yeah, McGuffey comes into the game at 4 and 1 in the conference, 5 and 2 overall. We mentioned Burgettstown. Burgettstown trap game possibly at Charleroi. Burgettstown 5 and 0, 6 and 0 overall. Charleroi comes in at 3 and 1 in the conference, 6 and 1 overall. Uh, Charleroi's dangerous. If you're Burgettstown, don't get caught looking to wash high. Don't overlook Charleroi. Maybe that's what happened last year when Charleroi and Burgettstown played because Burgettstown led 23-6 to in the third quarter and ended up losing. We were at Burgettstown a couple of weeks ago, and Mark Druga brought up that game several times, and you get the feeling that this was a game that Burgettstown had circled on the schedule and wanted a little bit of revenge. And what makes Charleroi dangerous? It's quarterback Gino Pellegrini. I mean, if, if he has time to throw back there, uh, he can really pick apart a defense. But that's the yeah. big question is He has if. 13 TD passes, but as you said, the, the, if he gets enough time, Birdstown can rush the passer. And if he doesn't have time, then he's not going to be able to utilize guys like Dakota Romantino. Um, there are some other receivers they have that are um, dangerous. Deep threats. 
And he, and he likes to he likes to force the ball. He likes to try to fit it in tight windows. And we've seen what Bur- the Burgettstown defense has done this year. They've taken advantage of that as, as they scored as more as many points, if not more, than the than the offenses that have scored against them. Yeah, and if you're Charleroi, you got to get off to a good start. You can't think about coming from behind two years in a row against Burgettstown. Burgettstown has outscored its opponents this year in the first half, 240 to 17. That's a pretty good starting team. The other big game, Class A, non-conference game, will be played right here. Rochester comes in at 5-1, will play California, which is 7-0. Rochester, pretty good defensive team. They haven't allowed more than 18 points in a game all season. Um, California, though, can really run it. The triple option attack has worked well for the Trojans. What do they do well? They run the football and they play great defense. And and that's going to get you uh, a winning record in high school no matter what. And, uh, you know, trying to stop Jelani Stafford at fullback and Coach East Ryan at halfback, uh, that's a tall order for any team because they have a a great one-two punch. And, uh, you know, I really think one of the stronger teams to come out of the Tri-County South in some time. Yes, I agree. This is probably the best team out of the Tri-County South in a long time. I really believe that. Here's an interesting statistic. Rochester usually does well when it plays teams outside its conference, the Big Seven. Rochester hasn't lost a regular season non-conference game on the road in 10 years. Last time they lost was 24-23 at Riverview, September 14, 2007. That's a pretty good streak that's on the line this week at California. And how many times have you seen them down at Heinz Field? I mean, it seemed like, at least when I was growing up, every year it was Rochester and, you know, typically Claritin or, yeah. or somebody. Like, that was the matchup that, you know, you could already, before the season, write it in pen uh, kind of on the bracket. So so Rochester's been there, done that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, a, a new team like California having the success versus a team that's had success for, for such a long time kind of meet Friday night. Yeah. Tune in next week, and we'll let you know who won these big games, and we'll look ahead to possibly a battle of unbeatens, Burgettstown and Washington.